Welcome everyone to the roundtable for the GP GCP Andrew Nimi podcast. Uh, I'm Gene D, and have uh, my partner in crime, Wild Bill, here with us. Also, uh, we also have poker writer and our GCP podcast partner Ben Saxon. Uh, how you guys doing today? Doing great, Gene. Hey, doing Good well. Gene. Before we look. Lo Launch into our roundtable. I'm going to let Bill uh, plug a couple of events we got coming up. So I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I, I presume it's going to be soon. Right now, we currently have an event at Valley Shreveport, and Gene will talk about that in a little bit because he's up there. Um, if you get this in time, go up there. Expecting a decent crowd. Southern Poker is our partner. Valley Shreveport has really um, stepped up, and I think this is going to be another good event this is second or third that we've done up there and, and we've uh really enjoyed meeting everybody there um also we definitely want to push the fact that the heater is coming up in early january uh, three million in guarantees uh, i think the event the way it's constructed the schedule is constructed is pretty much unmissable if you play poker in the south you got to go there and play there's going to be huge prize pools good structures uh great people too uh, I think the the Beau Rivage really knocked it out there. So on that note, let's talk about some of the things that are happening in poker, uh, guys. Uh, I know first thing I want to talk about is GCP. We're also going to be in Vegas because we're covering our GCP Tour champion, which is Yusef Ali, who won a seat in the WPT World Championship. And we also, via Mystery Tickets and Satellites, have um, put five other players in. And real quickly, they are Gerald Inman, B.J. McBrayer, Buddy uh, Villaboos, Cody Stanford, and uh, Preston McEwen. So those guys are going to be representing the region, representing GCP a little bit, and hopefully we'll make a televised final table. You get to see them in the GCP patch, and we're uh, excited to go there and cover them and promote that. Um, what are you guys' expectations about how those guys are going to fare at the WPT. Yeah, that's a that's a strong lineup uh, as far as our uh, GCP um, folks that follow us along the our GCP path and our events. Um, I mean, Cody, BJ, Preston. I mean, that doesn't get any better than that as far as uh, talent from the GCP area. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Do we know? Uh, do we know any other folks from the Gulf South here playing to, to go out? I know uh, Teddy Connor is going to be playing the main, um, and yeah, I'm not sure. And any other any other folks venturing out there? That's right. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgot about the minions. So we, right. <laughs> we did a December minions. Uh, we didn't have the full team like we did in the summer, but we were able to get Teddy Connor funded, and he's a great player. I think. He will do really well in this format, and I'm excited that he's getting to play. Uh, I've heard there's some other players that may uh, go up there. I'm probably going to put a post up in the next couple of days asking if anybody's there and we can sweat them. You know, uh, we got recently we did a post where a lot of people were going deep in a WPT in Florida, and I think that got a lot of engagement. Um, but to me, Besides the engagement, I was just enjoying, you know, being able to go to one place and track how everybody was doing. So hopefully we'll have GCPers maybe hearing this or or made aware of this that we'll go to that um, page on our Facebook and wherever we're doing the updates and, and keep their totals and chip counts and stuff on there, too. So um, we have Teddy funded. Um, at, uh, how much do we have for the second player already in them? So I didn't pursue a second player. We, Teddy's, we sold just a little bit over on the shares for Teddy. Um, I wasn't sure we could get another player just because it just seemed like we kind of hit a block pretty early in terms of selling it. So um, I didn't do it, but um, you know, it's weird because a lot of times in the summer, it's like that last few days, that last week, everybody's like, oh, okay, who, who am I buying and how much and, and all that. So, um, 
you know, hopefully somebody didn't miss out. But all the people that applied for that, we'll be considering them for next summer as long as Monkey wants to do the minions again. And uh, those guys will be in the mix for sure. So, Gene, tell us about Valley Shreveport. I'm up here in Shreveport. It's getting a little chilly outside. Um, we have the, the Southern Poker and GCP Bally Southern Poker Holiday Bash rolling. Uh, we had the first event last night. Had a good turnout. It was actually a media blitz. It was a charity event. So if you bought a, a, a gift to put it in a box to give to the kids, uh, you got some extra chips. Um, today's hump day, 28 K guarantee, $250, uh, buy-in and the main event starts Thursday. There's five flights at $500 a lick. And the first flight is at 6 PM Thursday, uh, Friday, 10 AM, Friday, 5 PM, Saturday, 10 AM, Saturday, 5 PM. And then, um, Day two is going to be on Thursday. Um, but, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a great event. A lot of people. Um, it was a real friendly group last night. I wind up playing. Um, had fun. Everybody was having fun. Um, just come on down. if you in, Within driving distance, uh, it's going to be a big tournament on uh, coming this weekend. So, uh, Ben, I wanted to ask you this because one of our, our mutual friends, and, and this actually ties in with the, the podcast guest we got coming up, but a former reg at Harris, New Orleans, had a very successful weekend. Uh, can you talk about what Joel did at the lodge? Uh, well, I can tell you that Joel shipped the, uh, the main event at the lodge for 90K. I really wish I could give you some detail as to how he did that. Um, I'm going to assume it was it was a mixture of uh, his skill edge over the field and his massive beard. Yes. So, um, yeah. It's it's just it's always great to see to see uh, you know an older reg, a one time older reg. He lives in in Austin now with his family, uh, and an all around good guy. Do well. You know, I, I, we had the chance to to share our Vegas house with him, I think, uh, summer of 2018 and got to know him a little bit better. And, and um, yeah, it's just great to to see somebody who's really committed to both sides of um, the poker sphere, cash and tournaments. I mean, he's he's really a well-rounded player to ship the, the, the for the main for, for, for 90K. So so that's that's uh my kind of limited sense of the tournament unfortunately i didn't get to watch the, the the stream final table um do you have any more insight bill into how he how he i got to watch some of it uh it's interesting that the hand that is uh kind of making the rounds on twitter right now as a potential hand of the year candidate um i might be messing up the uh the hands a little bit but i believe it was a three-way all-in with joel as the chip leader Joel, I think, had ace-king, somebody had queen, somebody had tens. Uh, I think he flopped with, like, an ace or a king. Somehow he ended up coming in third after going way ahead on the flop and thinking the tournament was over. And then I guess he rebuilt from that point and came all the way back and won. But it was a pretty crazy not many times you see a final table with those kind of ICM jumps where it's a three-way all-in, but I guess the hands were in exactly the right order for people to get it in. Um, and he talked in his uh, post-interview that at that point when he flopped it, he thought he had won the tournament. They, they asked him, at what point did you think you could win? He goes, well, when I flopped it, I thought I was going to win. And obviously <laughs> the turn in the river uh, made him change his mind, but um Great for him to battle back. You know, we've, we've played with and against Joel. Uh, well, I mean, we played against Joel, but um, with him in the same room um, often. And uh, he's a tough opponent, puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, and he's he's really savvy. So I'm happy for him, for sure. Good deal. Uh, Gene, we got a possibility for – 
that at the heater, we're going to do our next podcast with a round table, maybe live. Um, it sounds like Ben may not be able to join us, but is there anything you're looking forward to uh, about the heater um, versus, uh, you know, heaters past? It's a lot bigger this time for sure. Yeah, the the guarantees are massive. Uh, my understanding is, is the, the rooms are selling fast and they have, um, a, a bigger percentage of occupancy already reserved. Um, it's gonna, I, 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 I can't wait to see how many people are going to show up. It's going to be really huge. And, you know, Adam, always going to put on a great event um the bows and their heaters have always been one of the biggest tournaments in the gulf coast we're happy to be working with those guys and if if you're a poker player and you're not there um you're going to be missing out yeah ben how many people do you think uh well, how big they got a million dollar guarantee on the opening event and the main event how big do you think it could be going over those numbers because i i predict that, that it will definitely meet the guarantees in those events yeah i mean i i think that the the situation is ripe for a really big turnout for a couple of reasons i mean we've talked in previous podcasts about how and actually we're, we're, we'll y'all will hear about more about this um in the andrew neem interview about poker booming specifically tournament poker booming you know so i think we're seeing that across the board, but I also think that there's, there's really nothing like the heater in the Gulf South and it's been how many years since the last heater? Has it been four years? Um, well, they had one last year. They had okay, one so, last so, so, year. That so, was so the first one back. Okay. So, so the heat, the heater is, you know, I think folks miss the, the have missed the heater now that it's back um, and, and, and back kind of bigger than ever. Adam, Adam Nash last month talked about, the, the, the new card room that's going to be opening in um, mid-December. So that'll be available at the beginning of the year. Yes. The 21st, December 21st is the official opening date. Okay. So I just think there's a lot to be excited about. And so I think that excitement could very well translate into some big numbers. Yeah. So conversely, we talked about the WPT at the same time, there's a WSOP in the Bahamas that's going on and it, Sounds like from a couple Twitter posts I've seen that they might have a hard time meeting some of their guarantees. I know they got 15 events and they have 51 million in guarantees in the Bahamas. How do you guys think they're going to fare? You think people are going to um, hear about the overlay and get to the Bahamas or do you think they're they got what they got? Like it's kind of a, a tough spot being that far away. What do you all think? Yeah, um, I think they're going to have a hard time uh, getting some of those guarantees. Um, I've watched uh, the first couple in the ground vlogs. He's vlogging there. Um, and, you know, Sean Deeb's there, obviously Chainsaw, all of the, the bigger players. Um, but, I mean, in order, to, in order to get a guarantee – for the main event that they're trying to get, they're going to need a lot of rec players to get there too, which, you know, you got the cost of everything. I don't know if you guys have ever been the, um, um, the place where the event is. I have, the food is expensive as hell, 30, 30 bucks for a hamburger, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, the, I think the only way they're going to break any of those guarantees is if, some of the rec players, you know, show up. Yeah. It is interesting. It's a, I don't think we've ever seen a battle like this between the two big brands, the WPT and the WSOP ever. And, I, you know, if we have memory fails me on that, but just they're kind of asking to go to two diff very different places. And there's a lot of cheap options for one place in Vegas where you can get a ton of the rec players and then Atlantis is just so price prohibitive, even though I'm hearing flights are pretty cheap that it's, I don't know the, it's an uphill battle for the WSOP. Hopefully WSOP kills it. They don't 
they don't miss any of their guarantees. And same thing with the WPT. Obviously, we're not picking a side just because we got players going to the WPT, but uh, we're hopeful WSOP um, has a great turnout. Yeah, the fl- the flights from Miami to, uh, to Bahamas are pretty cheap, but yeah. you still you got to go into Miami in order to fly to the Bahamas. They don't, you know, uh, they, New Orleans doesn't fly to the Bahamas, that sort of thing. So, all right, you guys have any other topics that you're thinking about? Um, only uh, only other thing I I, I noticed that. Uh, Nick Airball posted something that they got ripped off in a, a home game. And, like, you know, th- that has happened in New Orleans 10 or 15 years ago with the Mark Dex and the, the eye uh, contact lenses w- with, the, uh, uh, with the highlight on the cards. They let this guy bring his own deck to the – to the home games. I mean, I thought these guys were smarter. Uh, You know, I thought that was common knowledge that people are cheating that way. Uh, And they let the guy get 30 million out of them. I think I was what I was reading, but anyways, uh, I I thought that was ridiculous, but yeah, uh, it's, it always astounds me. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to sound like a shill for casinos, but, to me, the benefit of the security at the casino seems just a much higher barrier for people to overcome to to cheat you um, from your money than a home game. And then when odd stuff is happening, it's like you would think some of these guys would be smart enough. I saw Josh Aria tweet something, how he got scammed once, um, but only one time because he's a pretty smart dude. But he was at a private game. There was a guy with two phones, and I don't know if you guys remember the cheating scandal that that was in Austin a decade ago or whatever, but somebody had an RFID reader, and it requires two phones, and it basically gives you one phone basically reads the cards and knows how the deck is set, and the other phone kind of um, gives you information, and they work together. Um, but the story he told was they were doing, I don't know, every 30 minutes a high hand maybe put up 5k and this one guy who was kind of new to the game, but two phones, he turned it down, turn it down, turn it down. And then at one point the deck was shuffled and he goes, okay, I'm in. And then there was another guy that then either was not in or going to drop out. And then the guy that was tight the whole night and wouldn't put the 5k up. So I'll put his 5k up. And of course he won the (laughs) hand because he knew the deck was set and, you know, so Aria never played that game again, but, you know that stuff's out there. It's uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, it was three million. I'm just looking at thirty, but still, I mean, you you can't you can't lose a, you know, you can't lose that kind of money in a home game and think that something shady's not going on. But I know these guys are high rollers. And that's all I got. Yeah, tell tales all this time it seems, um, and you'd think. You'd think the folks would learn at some point, and you see these sort of um, same tactics over and over again. But here, here we are again. So, um, yeah, it, it, we can post uh, post the link in the show notes to to some of that conversation, which also involves, you know, for anybody who watches Hustler Casino Live, you know, some of the some of the the faces. Um, so there's some familiar faces there. So the the main. Uh, guy being accused is this guy named mars who calls himself a snowboard instructor <laughs> and who, uh, <laughs> who uh, is accused of yeah being a habitual sheet yeah uh, and and i just don't want to upset the gambling gods because you know we, we we all have just said how can they get cheated and that usually people that say that are the next to be cheated so um uh, <laughs> i guess sometimes when you're in the moment it's difficult to see it but um, be careful at your home games, people, especially if somebody's got two phones or brings a deck or is wearing weird sunglasses. Exactly. Uh. All right. Ben, you want to take us into the podcast? Sure. So I think a lot of listeners will know of this guest. Uh, we had the opportunity to speak with Andrew Neeming, 
who is a professional poker player. He's a vlogger. He's an organizer of meetup games, a co-owner of the Lodge Card Club, a traveler, a drinker of tasty cocktails, and a brand ambassador for the World Poker Tour. So uh, suffice to say, Andrew is a very busy guy, and we had the opportunity to speak with him. Uh, this was recorded in mid-October, so a month or two ago, and we covered a lot of topics. We we talked to Andrew about um, what's going on in, in his life. He had a couple of big recent scores, both in cash and the tournament side. And we got into, um, yeah, some discussions about the poker world in general, tournament poker, and uh, yeah, what's coming up very soon at the at the win for the WPT. So uh, without further ado, we bring you our conversation with Andrew Nimi. So our guest for this episode is a poker celebrity. Uh, he's a vlogger uh, and he's also a WBT ambassador, Andrew Mimi. Andrew, how you doing today? I am good. Good morning to you guys. How are you? Good deal, man. We're gonna ask the first question that we ask all our guests is, how did you wind up in this crazy world of poker that we all find ourselves in? Uh, what was your start? And uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, so I before I was chasing this poker dream, I was actually chasing a, a different dream. I was uh, working in the music industry, and I started uh, with a job in London right out of college, following an internship over there. Loved that job, and after that work visa expired in the UK, back to the US I came, and I bounced around in Los Angeles between a few different jobs, and I never really found as much enjoyment working in the music industry at those jobs as I did with that first company. And meanwhile, this is uh, in the early to mid 2000s and poker is really booming during that time, of course, as we all know. And, you know, of course, we all start out as a recreational fish cake. But, you know, over time, I started paying a little bit more attention to some study material and started taking the game a little more seriously, enjoying that more more than I was at the job. And before you know it, one thing kind of just fell into the other. I started doing a little bit better for myself, playing online. Online poker, definitely a little bit easier back then, back in the day. Uh, but yeah, just started becoming a profitable poker player. And before you know it, more and more time in poker, less time in the jobs, and kind of became a professional poker player. Hey, Andrew. Yeah, this is Ben, ben Saxton chiming in. Um gonna just wanted to follow up a, a little bit because we have you know your poker story and then your vlogging story which you know i think a, a lot of folks think they go and go hand in hand but at first i mean you moved to vegas in the mid 2000s is that right so i was playing online mostly uh when i was in los angeles but then i moved to la in i would say at the start of 2009 and then essentially switched to predominantly live poker by far at that time Okay. Yeah. So, so the vlogs came, came a little bit later. I mean, after you had been grinding for, for quite a while, um, your first vlog was, I think, October of 2016. Um, so yeah, how did, how did the vlogging projects get started for, for you? What was the, 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 the motivation for that? Yeah, so you're right. So I was very much just on the on the live grind, um, just, you know, man on a mission, just grinding it out for many years. Uh, you know, when I when I was playing online uh, in Los Angeles, I, I moved up through the stakes. You know, I started in micro stakes and, and moved up relatively rapidly, for sure, rapidly by today's standards. Uh, but again, poker was definitely much easier back then, especially online poker. Um, so yeah, when I came to when I came to Vegas, I essentially tr tried to do the same thing, but it, it definitely took a lot longer to do so. Uh, but I started out just you know one three grinder essentially, but eventually moved up to two five. After a couple of years, those are those are some long, hard-fought years of grinding the low stakes, and then in, uh, a couple of years later of grinding two five, move up to five ten. Um, but yeah, eventually just kind of felt like, you know, it was a little bit of a stagnation for me. Um, playing five ten was doing okay for myself. Definitely not, uh, you know, baller poker player by any stretch, but 
you know, I was making a living for myself, grinding essentially mainly the the five ten game at the Bellagio, the 1500 cap. And I think you can make a low six figure amount of, uh, of money if you grind that full time. Um, but just kind of felt like the next step up was some of the, the best daily cash game grinders. You know, if you're going to play the, the 10, 20, 40 game at the Bellagio, that can often be, I think probably the toughest game that runs in the country on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, just like kind of felt like I was kind of stuck, you know, uh, I was doing okay for myself, but, uh, felt like I was missing a little something and, you know, maybe a little bit of creativity and kind of wanted, you know, put that creative juices into a project of sort of some sort. And I'd seen what was going on on YouTube with some, uh, some mainstream creators and felt like maybe I could make something in, uh, in the poker world that was on YouTube and, and, uh, came from a creative aspect. Yeah, and I mean, it would be and it would be an understatement to say that you've uh, you've had some success. I mean, your channel is approaching two hundred thousand subscribers. Uh, fast forward to to today, I mean, you're rapidly approaching vlog number three hundred. And uh, I mean, I I am at a point now. You know, I've been a sort of a a, a student in poker, a fanboy of poker for a long time. And and there was a time when when um, you know, a couple of years ago where I would just gobble up all the vlogs, but I'm at a point now where I feel like I'm just overwhelmed, deluged. There's so much content out there. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, do you, do you watch vlogs these days? I mean, they don't, not even poker vlogs. I know you're inspired by, I think, Casey Neistat. Um, so like, what is your relationship to sort of the vlogosphere these days? Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. There's just so much content out there and it's kind of impossible to stay on top of all of it, which is which is kind of awesome, you know. It's uh it's cool that there's so many different people that felt the same way that they could uh contribute their perspective and you know, every everybody brings a little bit different of something even though you know, a lot of a lot of poker blogs follow a similar formula, but you know, if one person is in a different part of the country and they have their own personality, then, you know, then that's cool and if they can maybe resonate with a, a different section of the poker audience more so than some other people um so yeah it's tough i'm not you know i'm not going to sit around and watch everybody's 20 minute video or i wish i could but there's just not enough time in the day to do so um so yeah i mean if something catches my eye then you know i'm, I'm gonna watch it you know we rampage has been an exciting uh he, he's had an exciting rise through the stakes very rapidly and uh you know, if he's uh, if he's buying in for 100k in Barcelona or something, maybe I'll I'll flick that one on. Or if my buddy Brad has got uh, something cool that he's that he's put together, or, uh, kind of a special one, then uh, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll throw it on there. But you know, if he's playing five ten at the Bellagio, chances are I've uh, experienced that myself, and maybe I can <laughs> maybe I can skip one or two. And I know he's not watching all of mine either, so I can say that as well. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the the benefits these days is we can kind of dip in and out as we'd like. And um, you know, you visiting us today gave me a great excuse to 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 update myself on where you are. I, I watched parts of your last five or ten uh, vlogs just to kind of prepare for this, and it was really really enjoyable. And actually, it was a bit of some nostalgia value from 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 a couple of years ago, where I would you know once once your vlog dropped, I would watch it. And um, I kind of missed that. So it was really great to kind of go back in. And I uh, just wanted to touch on a couple couple recent recent updates that can maybe get us from your own blogs that can get us into a discussion of where we are these days um, in the poker world. So first of all, tournaments, uh, you, you, you dropped a vlog. The title says it all. Biggest cash out, my incredible WSOP main event run from the summer um, where you finished, you made it to day four. Five is that right? Hundred sixty fourth place. That's right. End of day five. We made it to. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, talk to us a little bit about that experience. I mean, what was that like? And um, yeah. How how did you how did you make your way through the main? Yeah, that was uh, obviously a special one, and it was my first time cashing the WSOP main. So expectations were not high going into. Uh, I think this is like my fifth. I want to say my fifth, not positive, but yeah, somewhere around my fifth WSOP main. Um, and yeah, I just had like a, had a rocky day one. Uh, it was kind of up and down. Um, but as I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners know by now that it's such a slow structure that 
you know, there's so much room for, you know, patience and for bad things to get ironed out um, and variance. So, yeah, even though it was like a rocky day one, just uh, managed to, you know, put some hands together at the end of uh, later on in the day that got that got ironed out. And then, uh, yeah, before you know it, you know, day two rolls along, same thing happens. There's going to be ups and downs along the way, some ebbs and flows. Stephen Chidwick on my day two table, a um, couple other super killers, but, you know, managed to to find some run good here and there and just play passively versus the super killers out there of the world. And same thing over there, a uh, couple uh, uh, over a few of the days where just managed to find some good spots. And yeah, once we uh, get down into the money, it feels really special as time keeps going on and you're still in this thing. Um, so yeah, I really like that one really hit me because it's pretty easy to get jaded, uh, you know, as either a poker player, especially as a tournament player, because you just know, you just know that there's going to be pain is around the corner somewhere. Um, and very frequently, unless you've somehow managed to get in the top three of, uh, of a tournament, which doesn't happen too often. And so, you know, for, for that one to, to, to keep going and keep going and, you know, we're in day four, we're in day five and we're down to hundred and, I, I went out 164, but uh, you know, under 200 players in the main events, it's like it's a rare thing, you know. It's so I, I really took time to acknowledge that moment because who knows when we'll have another deep run like that in uh, in that kind of a tournament. Um, so that was it was it was pretty special, you know. It kind of hit me there a little bit, uh, even you know after being in poker for double digit years um, and uh, occasionally jaded about tournaments it, it definitely hit me a little bit yeah so great to to see you have a have a deep run after i mean how many times have you played the main i, I want to say this is my fifth fifth time okay yeah so of course of course no guarantees um and yeah i can't imagine what what that must be like to make it to make it that deep um i was also wondering uh you know we're, we're just in such an interesting space now in terms of you know, post-pandemic, uh, people are just flocking to tournaments. The main head, it's it's uh, a record turnout. Uh, the Lodge, I think, just had the highest ever uh, turnout for uh, Texas tournament. Uh, a couple, I think that, the, you know, when we were, we were talking last time, Gene, Bill, and I were, were wondering if we're in a second poker boom. And I, I'm just wondering what what your thoughts are are on that and the and the sort of the the explosion, especially in the the tournament space that we're seeing. Yeah, it's um, I think people are always going to you know kind of use the same terminology and reference the the mid 2000s era uh, and compare it to that. I, I think it was like such a special combination of factors back then that it's going to be pretty tough to replicate, um, especially where poker is now as far as like. Uh, how good people are, how good poker players are. And, um, you know, it was, it was just a special time back then, but that being said, you know, we did have a special time during COVID where a lot of people had a lot of free time at home. Uh, they, they found their way into both poker content and then into poker itself. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the content has played, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify, but, um, Myself and some of the other content creators get messages all the time saying that, you know, they found their way into poker or back to poker through the content. Um, you know, whether that's it's my stuff, I'm not trying to take all the, the padding on the back. There's, you know, some creators with much bigger audiences than mine, um, you know, and then uh, all the other you know streams and stuff that have that have popped up, I think, have been uh, pretty pivotal in people getting rejuvenated or interested in the game uh, from from ground up. So yeah, it's been awesome to see that uh, there's a bunch of new faces and uh, and to get those messages from people that have found their way into the game and are enjoying it now. And it's yeah, we've seen this uh, what seems like a massive boom of itself uh, with these these tournaments that are just blasting off. So yeah, it's uh, it's been awesome to see. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I just wanted to just kind of go to the other side of the coin here, which, which is something that you're probably more familiar with, which is the, you know, the cash game scene. You recently uh, came out with a vlog number 283. Again, the title says it all my new biggest win ever. 
where you <laughs> cash for 70 ish K at, at, a at a big stream game at the lodge. So, so, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, how do you, how does, how does it, how does a big cash like that, your biggest cash, how does that compare to something like the, the, the main event run for you? I mean, is that something you, you even compare in your mind or like what, how is that experience different? Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because I mean, like when you play those giant, we play these giant stakes cash games. I mean, for me, it's giant stakes, uh, down at the lodge, we play them on stream and you know it's, it's billed as 5,100, but in Texas, things get crazy all the time and the straddles are going to be on. And basically every stake plays at least double the size as it's built. And so that's a pretty stressful environment. Like I can sell some of the, some of the action, but if things go poorly and I'm sure at some point, you know, the more sessions we play, they will go poorly at some point, but you can get whacked for a huge number in these cash games. Um, and I can't just like shy away. Um, I technically could just not play them, but you know, myself and Brad and Doug Polk, we, uh, we, we signed up together on this thing to essentially be the faces of it. And so we have to, we have to take part in these, in these, uh, in these, in this, at least some of these cash games, I play every single one of them, but we want to play some of these big cash games on the stream and, you know, make some fun clips that will get good airplay on YouTube and good number of views. And so it's stressful uh, while you know, stepping into those, uh, those big games where people are, uh, they're going to splash around. It's not going to be a nitty game. It's going to be a high variance situation. So with the WSOP main event, you, you know what your uh, downside is going to be. Um, it's going to be that 10K buy-in, and of course, you can sell action there as well. But with these uh, these high-stakes cash games, you can uh, you could lose your shirt. So it's a, it's a stressful scenario, and uh, when it goes well, it's almost like a combination of excitement but also relief that uh, it didn't go extremely poorly um, anytime you don't book a big L in the cash games. Uh, but coming from the cash game background, yeah, it's uh, it definitely feels good to like step up to these these proper high stakes cash games and uh, and put a put a solid win on the uh, on the P and L chart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, just to sort of get your take on the on the cash game side of things from more of a macro perspective. You know, people are talking about tournament poker booming, but the other side of that coin is, is you know, a lot of folks are talking about how pu public cash games are struggling. Um, and, you know, this is something that's been talked about for a while. In particular, um, Andrew, are you familiar with Charlie Wilmoth? He, he uh, you know, he's an L.A. cash game player. He has a, a podcast called Third Man Walking. Yep, yep. I know he does some of the uh, commentary on the Hustler stream and... Uh... Yeah, he's uh, making some content as well with uh, with Mark Goon, who uh, I'm a fan of as well. Yeah, yeah, and he's um he's a very very thoughtful guy, and I'll post this link in the show notes. He he recently came out with um a podcast called On Private Games and Cash Game Poker's Identity Crisis, where he kind of addresses um this this movement where you know. Players are getting shut out of of games. Games are going private. Uh, whales are being are being poached out of the the, the public ecosystem and, and and kind of insulated in these private games. And I mention this because I I know you've spoken about this in at least one of your vlogs. I can't I don't know which one it was. This was a couple of years ago. But I'm just wondering, you know, what your thoughts are on um, this tension between public casino games and then the private scene that's kind of that's kind of sprouted up alongside it um and you know if you if you see yourself you know ha having a role one way or the other and in, in shaping public games i just love to hear kind of where you fall on that uh these days yeah so it just it to me it just kind of feels like it's uh it's it's sort of become a natural evolution, um, although it is a little surprising because for the longest time we sort of assumed that private games in casinos were not legal, um, according to the gaming board. And apparently that was just wrong um, because we very much see what are essentially private games in the casinos. Um, but I guess there was just like far less of a need for them back in the day when poker was very much less studied. Um, the the mass uh, access playing pool 
you know, there was just more games uh, at higher stakes. And, you know, now those games have sort of died off. And part of that reason might be because the games are so studied and tough, but also because of these uh, these private games where, you know, people have sort of poached players into them. Um, and that's just been this evolution over time from the, uh, like I said, the mass, uh, everyone, the, the games that everyone has access to. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's like, a, I don't know if there's a, like a particular solution that you can point to, because I feel like that's, that should be a service that's available at the casino. You know, if you just want to play with your buddies or whatever lineup that you have, then you know, why not have that as a service? And that is essentially what a private game is. You know, that's like we're we want to play with each other and nobody else. And or at least start the table that way, you know, start an eight or seven handed table. And maybe as there's a seat open, then maybe somebody else can sit in. But as I understand it, maybe that's not even what's happening. Maybe they're shutting out players even at that point, which I don't know. It doesn't feel great, honestly, but it just kind of is what it is. And I guess maybe the casino has a little bit to blame for the fact that, you know, two blind, no limit hold'em became the standard game in so many places. And it was basically the same thing everywhere, which is good and bad. It's good because players know what they're going to step into uh, anywhere, any casino in any no limit hold'em game. You know, it's, it's that same structure that they've gotten into, whether it's through online or through smaller stakes. But I would say the other the, the flip side of that token is that there's not a whole lot of creativity between games and it's kind of been the same offering for, you know, 15 or 20 years or whatever it is. Um, and so maybe it's just a little, maybe it got a little boring, you know, maybe it got a little, a little stagnant. Um, and it can also be intimidating for, uh, for some recreational players. So if it's not exciting, if it's not a whole lot of variety, from game to game where it's just this, those two blinds, there's no, uh, there's no excitement going on. You know, you walk by the party pit in the, 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 the blackjack section of the casino. It's like a party vibe, but if you walk by the, uh, the poker room, a lot of times it looks real serious and intimidating. And so if you can offer something that's a little bit different to, you know, quote unquote whale or recreational player, then I can see how that's more enticing than uh, trying to battle it out versus a, a serious uh table versus uh, a serious table full of grinders so i can see like i can see both sides to it um i think you know we've tried to do something a little bit different with the meetup games where you know there's like a, a couple of hosts that you're familiar with through the content and it's designed to be a social night of poker um and i, I think that's you know that that concept has done really well getting double digit number of tables at some of these different events I don't think that's for everybody. I don't think that is like the answer or anything, but you know, I think creativity can, uh, can go a long way with different ideas for, for games. Um, and I, I would always be interested in uh, seeing some poker rooms, try some different things to break up that monotony. Yeah, it, it really is an interesting question. Um, and I saw the, the poll that you posted about, you know, folks' thoughts on like bomb pots and straddles, um, you know, there's in 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 the stand-up game is start starting to become pretty popular. So um, yeah, I think it's really interesting how that how that can change market to market um, and look and kind of cult local culture to local culture. And you know, it's 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 wonderful you've been able to travel so much and sample so many of the different rooms and have uh, meetup games across the country. Um, so yeah, I, I think we wanted to wanted to shift gears to that a little bit. Um, maybe talk regional poker and, and Bill, did you wanna did you wanna uh chime in with with, with some discussion of like uh poker on the Gulf Coast and then kind of upcoming events in the next few months? Yeah. Um well as he was talking about kind of seeing it from this perspective, I was just curious, you know if you could walk us through the lodge a little bit and, and maybe talk a little bit about your involvement there, how you got started with Brad and Doug and, and maybe um, how you kind of steer them to, to have player uh, positive events like you were talking about. I know I talked to some players from Austin this past weekend and they all raved about how player friendly the lodge was. And I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit. 
Yeah. So the history from my perspective is that Brad and I, uh, you know, I mentioned the meetup games. We were, we were very much on that, uh, on that trail. Um, you know, we were uh, grinding out the videos and also came up with what we felt like was a really fun concept in the meetup game, which as mentioned, just a very social night of poker for, you know, a handful of hours. And, um, you know, we can do all these different things. We can, uh, we'll do the bomb pots and straddles and stand up games and capture it for the videos and uh you know designed to splash around a little bit more and rather than just a, a night of grinding it out at the casino or the card club um yeah and that uh, that concept did really well um and we we put a bunch of those together in uh, a lot of different uh, corners of the country as well as a couple of international ones as well um and so yeah the uh that uh, as mentioned that concept did really well and we always felt like the next step rather than promoting uh you know all these different casino entities it would be awesome if we could uh point inward with this thing and use the blogs and the youtube channel and the meetup games to promote our own property which was basically like a pipe dream because for brad and i we had no uh casino or poker room operation experience um you know how do you go about getting a license and all these questions that basically had no answer Fast forward a little bit to when Doug Polk had moved from Las Vegas to Austin, and he had also discovered uh, th these poker clubs that existed uh, around Austin and elsewhere in Texas. And so, you know, he was sort of looking for the next thing in his career as well. And he was looking to play a little bit less. And he had also reached this point, I think, with the channel where he wasn't sure what he wanted to do in that regard. And he sort of had the same idea. What if he had, what if he had his own space? What if he had his own poker club and see, he had discovered these other clubs and, but you know, why not? Why not me? Um, and, and to use his uh, promotional apparatus as well to, uh, to be able to do that. And so he, uh, he connected with us and said, I wonder if we can all link up on this sort of thing and start our own club. And we said, yeah, we've, uh, we've always uh, had a similar idea, but had no idea how to uh, take the next step on it. And he uh, thought that we could put out the word and start uh, start the hiring process for a club. So once word gets out, um, you know, the the clubs themselves are going to hear about it. And the lodge did uh, did hear about it and reached out and said, we have a much better idea than you guys starting your own club and all of us competing. Why don't we all work together? You guys can come in on the lodge. We can link up. We can provide all of the operational experience. We've been doing a great job down here. We feel like and we had heard we had heard that as well. We heard that from so many people, it was their favorite place to play poker, um, which, you know, from a lot of uh, grumpy poker players, it's hard to, it's hard to get a lot of positivity out of them a lot of the time. So, yeah, they had something really special going on there at the lodge and um, and they were doing great. And so it uh, it felt like it made a lot of sense and it would save us a ton of time. And strategically, it was for sure the right move to link up with those guys let them continue to do as good of a job as they were running it. And it does feel like it is the friendliest uh, poker club that uh, or poker experience that I've had anywhere. Every time I go down there, it's like, you know, so many smiling faces. It's just a good vibe, it feels like. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, it goes from the top down and it goes from it starts with the employees and everybody that's uh, that, uh, you know, it's like you mentioned, like we, we've heard from so many people still going forward that they have such a great time there. It's a friendly room. It's a friendly vibe. And uh, that's like something that's I think all of us are really proud to be a part of now. Um, and we just want to put as big of a spotlight on that as we can through uh, through the content and however else we uh, we can we can try and do that. So I know with your travels, you've played poker, you know, just about everywhere in the United States uh, that's got a poker scene and i was curious what your thoughts are playing on the gulf coast i believe you played previously at the beau rivage is that right and you also uh came down for the heater last year um yep what do you think of the poker in the south yeah it's uh i'd say it's pretty special it's um you know all the games at the bow all the cash games are uncapped if i'm not mistaken um so anytime you start with that, when you start with a structure of um, unlimited deep stacked, then that's already pretty special. 
because we don't even have that at the lodge. You know, our one, two and one, three games and two, five games are all they all have a cap to them, even though they can get pretty crazy. Um, there is a there is a buy in cap to start with. Um, and then, you know, straddles are very much a thing in the cash games in the south. And uh, yeah, they're they're good. They've they've always been good. They've provided, uh, you know, there's always going to be variants, of course, but um, the games down there are uh, it's it's a special scene. And it's a really nice, the, the bow is uh, it's just a really solid, nice poker room. Um, and that property is gorgeous right there on the coast. So yeah, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of great things going for it. Um, there's a lot of people with significant income in uncapped cash games in a nice property. You know, it's, uh, it's got a lot of, it checks a lot of boxes. For sure. That's that's one of our favorite places uh, to play uh, for those reasons and, you know, just great people as well. Um, coming up in December, the WPT World Championship, which is going to be massive. You're an ambassador for um, what are your thoughts, how it's going to turn out? Um, and, you know, in general, do you think it's going to do well against the WSOP? I know a lot of people are talking about some people are going to the Bahamas, WPTs in Vegas. Uh, how do you think it's going to play out? Yeah, it should be another massive one. Um, you know, when you put that again, when you start with uh, the big number, the uh, the number on the billboard, $40 million guaranteed in the main event uh, in the championship event. So, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be another big one. And of course, it raced to be bigger than the last one. And, you know, for the last one being the first year out the gate and to get, again, so much positivity uh, in the discussion, you know, you see things on you see things on Twitter, poker players, they'll talk. They'll let you know if something is uh, is wrong or they're unhappy about something. And, you know, I'm sure there was the occasional uh, complaints, but the vast majority of the conversation seemed positive about about it and for it to be the first year and to get that kind of a vibe and to get that kind of feedback about it was awesome so yeah there's going to be gigantic numbers in the prize pools there's going to be a ton of people and there's going to be there's going to be a range of buy-ins and we're going to do the uh the premier meetup game we're calling it to kick things off on december 1st so myself and brad owen and phil ivy and a bunch of other faces that people are familiar with we're going to play one, three, and two, five, and splash around to kick things off. And that was a really cool event last year um, to uh, to kick it all off and to give away some tournament tickets at that thing. So that should be a, a really good time. Um, yeah, uh, there's always going to be competition. And uh, I think, you know, the WPT brand combined with the win as an operator, um, they're essentially my favorite poker room in Vegas. They do such a good job there. Um and there's going to be so many familiar, familiar and friendly faces to go along with these massive uh, prize pool numbers. It's like it's tough to uh, think what the event could be lacking uh, alongside the the convenience of Las Vegas and and all of that. So, yeah, I uh, I think competition is good for for poker and for the players especially. Um, it keeps everybody on their toes. But uh, I think the I think the event is going to be an awesome one. Yeah, we're pretty pumped about it. We got our – what was that, Gene? Yeah. All right, well, I was going to say we're pretty pumped about it. We got our GCP Tour player. Um, we had a championship in March, and the winner of that got a seat into the uh, world championship at the win and. Uh, December. So we're going to be there following some people and uh, uh, we're pretty excited. Are you going to get to play any of the tournaments or, or uh, small schedule, big schedule? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm there to, I'm there to partake. I'm there to fire. So uh, yeah, I'll be kicking off things. Uh, like I said, part of the meetup game. Um, but then, yeah, I'll be, I'll be hopping in there. There's uh mystery bounty tournaments are always, are always awesome. I'll be in that one. we got the prime championship. We got the uh, world championship events. I'm definitely in all of those. There was a fun tag team event last year uh, that Brad and I played. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm there to I'm there to partake. I'll be I'll be locked in and uh, there for the entirety of the event. Awesome. What was the format on that tag team event? I think it was actually a double board bomb pot tag team event. So wow. <laughs> that was uh, that was pretty fun. I should. I should have the schedule in front of me. I don't know if you guys do to see if that's uh, still there on the schedule, but 
Um, yeah, there's just like, there's a, there's a range of buy-ins. I know there's like a, there's a $600 buy-in tournament. Um, so it's not just, uh, 10 Ks and not just high roller events, even though, we, yeah, we do have the, uh, the million dollar event, um, which should be cool to, to see go down. Um, but yeah, there's, there's obviously like a huge range. There's the meetup game, which is very, very approachable stakes, uh, to be able to like, just be in the same room and potentially be able to play one, three or two, five with Phil Ivy. um, is pretty dope. I think that was a super special day for myself and for Brad to see like the culmination of the meetup game. We, uh, we, we were lucky to have Doyle at that one. Um, and you know, a lot of other, uh, friendly faces, uh, at that one as well. So yeah, it's, it's just a super cool event, uh, in a lot of different ways. I'm, I'm guessing that's not going to be uncapped that game. That game is not uncapped, and in fact, they uh, they really encourage us ambassadors to buy in for the minimum because there's all these different promotions where you can win drawing tickets, and then we're going to give away one world championship seat at the meetup game as well as five 1K uh, seats to the prime championship. So, uh, and different ways to do that, you can win a, if you win a hand with ten deuce, you get a drawing ticket. If you get all in versus an ambassador you get a drawing ticket so yeah they want us to buy it for the minimum to make it easier for people to get all in against us and it's just like the room is just absolutely buzzing during this meetup game with all that action and uh all these uh familiar faces in the room wow that sounds a lot of fun that i wish i could make that i'm planning on coming in a little later i'll maybe i'll have to look at my calendar um see if i could go to that that should be a blast for sure uh ben do you have any any more questions for andrew I have uh, one, maybe two more. Um, so, me. yeah, I I mean, as you've been talking, it's very clear that <clears throat> you wear a lot of hats. You have a lot of roles. Um, you know, we haven't, you, there, there's so much that we haven't talked about. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what, what, uh, what role is giving you the most joy right now when you think about, about all the, um, you know, all the tasks in your, in your work, work life at the moment. Yeah. I would say the variety of them, uh, brings the most joy to me. Um, I would say when I was really unsure about when I had the most questions about what I was up to, it was when I was just on the grind, you know, just on the grind solo, um, you know, just like grinding out those five, 10 games at the Bellagio every single day, which, you know, I don't, I'm not really looking to complain about that because, you know, that's like, a lot of people are just trying to get to that spot, you know, and they sort of view the poker dream as that, you know, just being able to show up, you know, if you want to take a day off, you can do that. If you want to cut your session short, you can do that. If you want to play all night long, you're feeling good. You can do that in poker. So that's cool. You know, it's, I've always liked that about cash games, but I definitely felt like I was, uh, I was missing out on a little bit of something personally. Um, and so, yeah, being able to like have the creative outlets on the YouTube channel, and to have the partnership with the World Poker Tour to go to some different places and capture that I wouldn't be able to on my own. You know, I've been to Cambodia twice within the past like couple of years uh, and did a meetup game over there, which is something I could not have fathomed uh, even a handful of years ago. But that's something that happened um, to be able to go do that and travel around with them. It's such an awesome brand in poker. And then to uh, be a part of such an awesome team down in Austin at the Lodge and to go down there and uh, hang out in that room, like I said, with so many uh, smiling faces in a poker room is uh, is amazing. And I'm pretty lucky to be a part of that team. So to just be able to like bounce back and forth and not just do, um, you know, one thing and uh, to have that variety is uh, is awesome. I, I wouldn't say there's like there's one I want to pick and do um, every day. But yeah, it's just like for me, having that uh, having that variety is is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can imagine the variety be very rewarding and and challenging at the same time as as you've mentioned um, recently. I mean, you've talked about how how it's difficult to be creative and competitive at the same time. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I was thinking, just re, just about that that recent high stakes big score where you have the, the, these big swings in the cash game, five five figure swings, and then at the same time you're expected to uh to vlog and be creative um so in thinking about like you're almost at, at, at vlog number 300 there's been an evolution in your own creative approach um where do you envision 
I don't know if you, you, you know, you can answer this question, but I'm just wondering where you envision the vlog going moving forward. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, and I, I'll just tell you right away. I don't know if I have the answer um, just because for a couple of reasons, a, it's like, it's just really tough to uh, predict what will go down and what, uh, what we'll be looking at. You know, there's, like I said, there's a bunch of things that have happened over the past handful of years that I could not have foreseen, um, you know, like with the having, being a part of a, a card club in Austin, Texas was, uh, was not on the, uh, the vision board. Um, and, you know, going to different places with WPT uh, has been fantastic, but hard to predict as well. So yeah, it's tough to, it's tough to like really nail down. Um, you know, I, I do worry that like, yeah, I mentioned a little bit before that there's kind of like this, this set formula for poker blogs where, you know, there's a quick intro, the meat of it is, uh, is a lot of poker hands, which people love, but as a content creator, it gets a little formulaic and repetitive in its own way. So yeah, I don't know. I've, uh, I've been kicking around these questions a lot in my head. You know, what's, uh, what do I want to capture exactly? Um, uh, that I can, you know, not, not get too stuck in the same routine, uh, capturing, um, and that's just gonna be like, I think a process, you know, that, uh, I'm still working through and, and we'll always be working on, um, mentally as well as like trying different things. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, you know, if, uh, if it means like, you know, plugging away at the, uh, uh, on the tour, um, capturing more poker games, wherever they take me or, uh, spending more time in Austin, Texas, it'll be okay. <laughs> it's not like any of those things are, uh, are, are too terrible of a thing. Um, but yeah, I don't have any uh, particular grand vision for which direction I really want to try and drive this thing towards. Just uh, trying to soak it all in at the moment, for the most part. Gene, did you did you have a question? Andrew, uh, with us being in Louisiana and I have a Texas crowd runs, um, you know, we, we always hear the rumors. Uh, we know the casinos got a big, huge lobby. Uh, there's rumors, Caesars dumping a ton of money into Lake Charles. Uh, is there anything that you guys are seeing or hearing as far as coming out on legislation as far as those firearms are, are, are there? I think Gene is uh, calling in from a subway system, uh, having a little bit of trouble uh, hearing him underground. <laughs> but maybe, maybe one of you guys can give me the gist of that question. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I think what I heard was that um, I was wondering if you could speak to some of the legislation um, in western Louisiana around Lake Charles. Bill, is 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 that what you heard? I I think Western Louisiana and Texas, maybe more so as it relates to casinos possibly coming to Texas or card rooms themselves. And just, I guess, the legal landscape that um, y'all might be facing right now. Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, I wouldn't say I'm on the front lines of, uh, of uh, working through the, uh, the legal landscapes. Um, but we, we definitely have, uh, that aspect of, uh, the team at the lodge who, uh, are very much like on top of these things and wanting to push pro poker legislation, uh, as far as we can. And so we had a bill go further than any gambling bill has so far in Texas, uh, in this past legislative session, uh, we made it all the way through the house of reps, the, uh, the Texas house of reps. Um, but then, uh, we, we, we only managed to get to the Senate. Um, so it's, you know, it's good news, bad news. Hey, it's good news that, uh, we were able to get that far. And it seems like there is a lot of headway that we've made, um, uh, but there is still more to make, but, you know, we basically in Texas, we just want to do things the right way and control the things that we can control. And we want to run the room as professionally as any room out there. And we do that by, you know, uh, essentially collecting as much talent from other from other poker rooms as we can and build out the best team that we can. And then, yeah, run things as professionally as is possible and uh, make uh, the, the room as player friendly as possible. And so, you know, I think you do that when you do that, you sort of uh, like I said, you control the things that you can that you can control. And when Inevitably, the landscape does change. You know, I think uh, at some point in the future, there will be casinos in Texas. Um, you know, all you can do is uh, put your best foot forward and 
hope that there is a uh, you know a license or a subclass of license like they have in California for card rooms specifically that you know we'll be able to say you know we've always we've always done things the right way you know when there's an overlay we uh, we eat that um, you know we uh, we have a proper professional setup here similar or even better than a lot of other card rooms offerings out there um and that's that's uh that's you know amongst the best that we can do and like i said there's guys that are a little bit more on the front lines of the uh the legislative and, and legal landscape than uh than myself I'm, i uh i wear the uh promotional and marketing hats down there at the lodge mostly but um yeah we're uh we're very much paying attention to it and doing what we can to uh to help develop that Well, we're super appreciative and very grateful that uh, you came on the air with us uh, today or the podcast, I should say. And uh, thank you for taking your time out to speak with us. Is there anything that we haven't brought up or, or asked that you might want to talk about um, as it relates to any of your ventures? Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, we're just we're we're going to be on the road here again shortly. We're heading up to Montreal for uh, WPT. Uh, uh, it's a WPT Global event up there. So when the, when I uh, went up there last time it was 2018. Went there on the vlog, and it'd be great to get back up to uh, to playgrounds to uh, play uh, play some poker up there and do a meetup game up there on the 25th, and then WPT Jacksonville in, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll do a meetup game there on the 9th of November. Then uh, Seminole later in the month, and then uh, it'll be World Championship time. So definitely uh, finishing the year uh, super strong here. Awesome. Thanks again, Andrew. Uh, I think that's good from us. Unless uh, right. Ben or Gene wants to dial in from uh, what Serbia <laughs> or wherever it was that he was calling from on that um, very dubious landline. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.